listening to CLNS Media, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to CLNSmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. This is June 25th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. I'm your host, Evan Marinovsky. And just like last week, we're going to make this intro very, very quick. My guest this week was Dale Arnold, who is the studio host uh, for the Boston Bruins on Nesson. He does pre- and post-game, does a ton of stuff there. He hosts his own show every day called Dale and Keith on WEEI. Uh, you can hear that weekdays 10 to 2. It is an awesome show. I urge you to go check it out. And he also has a book out that he releases a little bit of news on at the end of the show. A little bit of news, so it's at the very end. So I'm sorry, but you're going to have to listen front to back of this whole podcast to get the entire experience. Um, before we get dive into the conversation, um, I've done a few of these now. Uh, and I've done maybe three or four as the full-time host. I don't know the exact numbers. But uh, if you guys could go leave uh, a positive rating or a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast or where you listen to your podcast, and then write something really random in the reviews. You can do a good review. You can write a Bruins thought. You can write a random thought. You know, Just come up with a random sentence that has, that's related to nothing just to be funny. I don't care, um, but just some some more reviews on iTunes and and uh, wherever you get your podcast would be heavily appreciated. Um, so Dale and I got into everything today. We talked uh, we talked about you know bandwagon Bruins people. He's very against that, and and we sort of dove into that. We are we debated the draft. We debated PK Subban coming to the Bruins. Uh, we really debated a lot. We talked about a lot. It was very fun. Dale was awesome. He's the man. He's a veteran of this of this industry and this business, and he's a really, really great guy. Um, I really urge you to listen to this in full because I think it is a really, really good podcast. Uh, and so without further ado, here's my conversation with Dale Arnold. And we're here with the great Dale Arnold. Dale, how are you? Uh, I think I'll get over this soon, Evan, but I'm not sure how soon, to be honest with you. Well, it feels like we're we're all a little like that. We're all a little, you know, we can't believe what happened in Game Seven. We can't believe that, honestly, the series didn't end earlier. Um, but one thing that really uh, irked me, and I I want to hear if it irks you. You're a full time Bruins guy, and uh, I'm off at college during the Bruins season, but I consider myself a Bruins guy, you know. But when 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 the Bruins start making this big cup run. You have these people that feel like they're jumping on the bandwagon. You know, you, you know this guy. There's people who do this, whether it be Mutt or or Wiggy. I was going to say, you mean like everybody at our radio station? Well, okay, so EI people, but then you also have, you know, the Globe sends like ten people, the Herald sends like seven people. You know, you have all these places, and it's good that they're getting attention. It's I'm all for the attention. I'm all for growing hockey. I'm all for growing the Bruins. But when these people come in and and criticize Bruins beat people, it irks me. And I want to know, does it irk you too? Uh, it's kind of the good and the bad. I, I mean, I, I, I have to admit that part of me is just happy that people are paying attention. And when you're on a run to the cup final, obviously you have to pay attention. The criticism of, of the Bruins beat people is so uninformed that it just doesn't piss me off. Um, they, they just 
they don't know who they're talking about. They don't know what people are saying. Uh, it's, it's, it's sort of an obligation on their part to find a, a way to be critical. And, and frankly, I just, I, I really do find it not hard at all to ignore that part. Well, yeah, there are people who say that there aren't Tuka Rask haters. I mean, when I go hang out with my friends, and obviously this isn't on Twitter, I can't, you know, I can't show you the evidence, but my brain has taken this evidence. I've had, I've had tons of friends, you know, we, we, whatever we do, oh man, Tuka Rask can never get that cup championship final. Oh, he's never going to be able to do it. They got to trade and they got to find a way to get a different goalie, you know, oh, the Blues proved it. You know, you could just throw a guy in there and, and, and win. And it's like, no, like these, there are really people who are very irrational. And I feel like it's our job to sort of bring people down, right? It may be our job, but it's also an impossible job. I, I mean, I've been in this market long enough. I've, uh, I've dealt with Bruins fans enough. There is a, a portion. Bruins fans have a reputation of being really smart. And I think a large portion of them are really smart. There is a smaller portion of Bruins fans, a very vocal minority, who are dumb as stumps. They're the same ones who say Zidane Ochara's got no game left. Get him the hell out of here. What are you doing with him? And they're the ones who give, as you said, the quote about, you know, you're never going to win anything with Zidane Ochara. Or with uh, Tuka Rask, I should say. fact of the matter is they wouldn't have been in the seventh game of the Stanley Cup final if not for the play of Tuka Rask and the things that he did. Uh, when I look at Game 7, I may find fault with a lot of things. What I don't do is look at a box score and say, four shots on goal, two goals, Tuka sucks. And that's what the dumb element does. They look at that. They don't look at, at a redirection, an absolutely idiotic line change by Brad Marchand that caused the two goals on four shots. All they look at is numbers. Four shots. Two goals, Tuka sucks. There's nothing I can do to help those people. Uh, I, I, I assume that they spend their lives brushing their teeth by the numbers, and there's nothing I can do. <laughs> I, I like that. That's a good line. Um, and it's also the people who don't realize that, you know, the Bruins didn't score in that game until, what, like the 55th, 56th, the yeah. very end of the game. I mean, I was – my, I was doing stuff. I didn't even, I honestly was there. I didn't even notice Matt Krizlik scored. I, I looked up. I was like, who scored? I mean, at, at, at that point, obviously, it was pointless that the, the Bruins had already. Yeah, uh, it didn't matter then. It didn't matter. It did, and frankly, did, after the second goal went in, it didn't matter. Awful night. So here's where I think, I don't, I haven't heard your uh, perspective on the Bruins draft um, yet. So I, I actually, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to bring this up. So this past weekend's draft. Um, obviously, the NBA draft was Thursday. NHL draft was Friday. Biggest thing in Boston. Boston was buzzing. Um, with the NHL draft, the Bruins got themselves uh, a little bit of criticism with taking uh, ja- uh, Jack Beecher, John Beecher, excuse me, or can it go Jack, whatever, uh, John Beecher, 30th overall. And, you know, my my personal opinion on them drafting is, and it didn't seem to change uh, on Friday night and Saturday was they try to pick guys who are well-rounded players. John Beecher is a guy who is well-rounded. Everybody they took was well-rounded. But they, they there were other skill guys on the board. Do, do the Bruins deserve praise or do they deserve to be uh, uh, criticized for their, uh, for their drafting? Who the hell knows? I mean, it, it, is, it is the way we live our lives these days. 
the instant gratification. I, I mean, when they took Brad Marchand in the third round, who knew? How do you know? How do I know? How does anybody know? Uh, yeah, what I've seen of John Beecher is what I've seen in the highlights, for God's sakes. Uh, I'm not going to pretend that I know anything about him. What I know is that guys who spent the entire year literally watching every play, every game, you know, they have some sort of an idea of what this guy can bring or not bring. And this whole instant gratification thing where we're suddenly going to, you know, on the night of the draft, we're going to say, oh, they failed. I saw where Matt Kalman wrote on uh, com that the Bruins took a reach with Beecher. They might have. I have no freaking idea right now. You know, when, when they took Patrice Bergeron when they did, who understood, who had a clue that they were drafting what I think will be a Hall of Fame player where they did? The answer is no one, except perhaps the scout who went out of his way to say, you got to take this guy. This is the guy who matters. I have no idea whether John Beach was going to be a great player or not. What I do know is, is the tangibles, the size, the speed. Those are the things I know. Whether he's going to become uh, you know, an elite NHL player, those people who pretend the night of the draft or the week after the draft to understand that, they are lying to you. They don't have a clue. Well, I'm with you on that. 100%. Look, the only guys I know a lot about are from UMass because I go there and I watch the games. I understand. I can tell you everything you want to know about Mark Delgazzo and and all those guys. But for who the Bruins got, I, you know. Kale McCarr is really good. I can can go out on a limb and tell you that. (laughs) I I can tell you as somebody there, he's okay at hockey. He's pretty good. Um, Yeah, he's, he's pretty good at this hockey thing. Yeah, he's good at like the puck with the stick and all that fun stuff. But but at any rate, serious in a more serious note, yes, you're right. I agree with you on um you know the the, the pundits, the critics have not watched uh this kid Beecher and, and other guys. But but do you think that maybe drafting a skill guy? I mean, because it feels like the Bruins and and maybe I'm wrong here, but it feels like the Bruins always tend to draft these well-rounded guys. And even though you know guys like they didn't when they drafted David Pasternak. Well, that's true. That's true. You they went with a skill guy. They with did. Charlie McAvoy. They went with a skill guy. So the idea that that all they want to do is draft the well-rounded guy, all things being equal, I agree with you. But I've seen them on a couple of occasions here in the last couple of years take the skill guy, what the guy that they thought was going to be the elite defenseman. They thought the guy that they thought was going to be an elite goal scorer in the NHL. And in both of those cases, they were right. But so wouldn't you say it's safer to draft someone who has the skill and then you teach them the well-roundedness rather than – No, no. You... All things being equal, I think the well-rounded guy has a better chance of making it than the skill guy. If if those are the two things you're judging on, um, you know, the, the, the skill guy, when they've done that, then I just gave you two examples of it. They've been right. The skill guy has paid off. It has done them, you know, a world of good. Uh, you know, if, if if all things are equal, I'd rather have the guy who understands who his goaltender is, who's actually been back in his own half of the ice. Uh, and, and let's be honest, there are some of those who haven't done any of those things. I agree with you. I just my personal opinion on it is, I think it's easier to teach. It's not easier to teach, but it's easier to um, have them understand the defensive side of the game before teaching a guy how to score. I feel scoring goals is an innate ability you just have. 
You know, it just feels like that. See, I, mean, I, I actually I disagree with you in one respect. You're right. The ability to score goals is almost God-given, and, and I understand that. Like, I could never do but it. I, I, was think I, I was a defenseman in high school, Dale. I could not score a goal to save my life. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I sure. just could not do it. But the idea that, that, you know, the ability to play in your own end of the ice is innate. Anybody can do that. We've seen enough examples of people who have had no idea how to do that. None. Well, I'm not saying it's innate. I'm saying you, you kind of can teach it. Not to a great, not to the Patrice Bergeron or Ryan O'Reilly levels, by no means. That is an innate thing you have from when you start. But to underst- to, to be able to at least play defensive zone draws in your own end, um, I think is a, is a little bit easier taught than scoring goals. That's just my opinion on that. Let's talk David Backus. Um, <laughs> to, uh, this past week at the draft, there were obviously a ton of trades. There was the Subban trade. Um, but the trade that stuck out to me a lot, that really was unique because it, I, I think it meant the most for the Bruins, was uh, Patrick Marlowe went to the Hurricanes. And uh, they all, Toronto also gave Carolina a first-round pick in 2020 to take Marlowe's contract, which is insane. Like that, 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 and, that, a, that, and a second. And a second to, to take on uh, Marlowe's, I think it's 6.2 million. Um, Bruins owe David Backus two, uh, six over the next two years. Um, is it worth it for the Bruins to give up a first? If we're going off this situation, is it, is it, is it, uh, is it worth it for the Bruins to give up a first round pick to get David Backus' contract off the books? Uh, the simple answer is no, it's not. Uh, you could theoretically buy him out. You save $1.3 million, uh, which doesn't seem like a lot, but I'd rather do that than give up a first and, by the way, second-round pick to, uh, to get some team to take the contract off your hands. The other thing to keep in mind here is, and it's different, there was one year left on the Patrick Marlowe deal. Mm-hmm. There are two years left on the David Backus deal. You were going to have to give up more than a first and a second to get somebody to take that contract off your hands. More than that. Hell no, I don't want to step in front of that bus. Yeah, no, and I also think you're more, you know, obviously you want to free up the money, but you're also mortgaging part of your future. You're more, I mean, let's say it's two first-round picks. Let's say it's a first and two second-round picks. Those are those are big parts of your future there that you're giving up just to get David Backus out of the locker room. You know, obviously none of us I, think the Backus contract is worth it, but it's not worth giving up those picks just to get it off the books. No, if you're going to do that, I'd rather buy him out, save the $1.33 million, whatever it is. Uh, I do not want to give up tangible, legitimate NHL assets in first and second round picks just for the right to get him out of your room. By the way, that whole concept makes it sound like he's a bad guy. He's a bad yeah. influence. He's not any of those things. Uh, he, in fact, he's a great influence. He's a terrific guy. Uh, the contract was excessive. They shouldn't have given him what they gave him. All right? I agree with that. But then the question is, what do you do to get rid of it? I'm not giving up first and second round picks for the right to not have him in my locker room anymore. Yeah. He's been, again, I, and, and 
that's sort of the thing. Like people are saying, get his contract off the books. It's just the contract. He's an amazing guy in the locker room. He's a veteran leader. Everyone in there loves him. He's done, you know, he helped tremendously, even from the ninth floor in the postseason, you know, leading these guys, helping to lead. Um, you know, again, people point to how good the Bruins locker room is. You know, guys like Johansson and Coyle came in midseason and were like, we felt a part of it. And, like, where do you think that stems from? It stems from Chara, Bergeron, Krejci, and a guy like Bacchus who has the same experience they do and a veteran leader just like them. So I'm for not buying his contract out, uh, also for his veteran leadership. I think that is a really important thing that this this young slew of Bruins who are kind of being brought up, your Carlos, your DeBrusks, your Pasternak's, need to kind of feed off of. And another big trade from this weekend, and I just I want to make this short and sweet. Dale, you're very rational, and I love that about you. Um, and, and you keep things real, so I might as well just run this pitch by you. Um, I was all for, and this would never happen. I could never actually see it happening. But when P.K. Subban's name was out there uh, in trade talks, I thought that would be perfect for the Bruins. And 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 here's why. And, I, and, and if, it's, if this is the bad take, I want you to reprimand me for it. Um, I think P.K. Subban will look great with the Bruins, uh, partially because it was initially reported, I believe, that uh, Nashville would have eaten or would have taken like $3 million of his salary, and, and they would have paid it. So the except team they didn't. Him. Except they didn't. But, but this was my take before that happened. Cause I think it was Which reported. is why, by the way, I don't believe the reports that they would have. If they would oh, have, they, they would have. And they didn't. Yeah. Well, if they did, if if the Bruins ended up only paying six, that's only about a million more probably than you'd have to pay Tory Krug. You could probably deal Krug off for. And I love Krug. Love Tory Krug. I am so anti-trading Krug. But if you had gotten Subban, you know, you could you could use Krug to get us the top six forward to put next to Krejci. You have Subban on the back end for the power play. I think he would have been unbelievable in Boston. He would have eaten it up. It would have been an awesome person to cover. Um, and I, I would have loved if Subban had come to the Bruins, but obviously that didn't happen. Uh, go back to what you just said. He would have been an awesome, awesome person to cover. You're right. Um, truthfully, if you said to me right now, do you want Tory Krug on your team or P.K. Subban? I take Tory Krug. You would. I would. Wow. Huh? That's a good poll question for like Twitter. That's a, I. Would, why would you? Why would you say that? Why would you take that? I don't think either of them are great in their own end of the ice. I think Krug, especially in the playoffs, showed he's better. Uh, you know, PK Subban is a terrific offensive player. I I like his game. I I've always thought he'd be a very popular player here in Boston. I really do believe that. But if you're asking me right now, you're, you're going to spend the money. You're going to keep one of these two guys on your roster right now. By the way, to get Subban, you've got to give up some. 100%. 100%. To keep Tory Krug, you don't have to give up anything. All That's of those true. things being equal, I'd rather have Krug on the roster than Subban. Yeah, i got to tell you about my friends at betonline.ag. They're more than just some online betting platform. There's a lot of them out there, but none are quite like betonline.ag. Their approach is focused on the player, and they built their incredible reputation on offering you, the clients, nothing but the best. From cutting-edge technology to enticing promotions and the latest sports betting odds, they have it all. They're famous for their sports book, where there are live lines on all major sporting events across all the major sports, including the NHL, the MLB, the World Cup, obviously big right now. Their live betting feature allows you to bet on your favorites quick and easy and in real time. They have everything. If you'd like to bet on 
uh, Major League Baseball games, World Cup games, that's pretty big right now, or any of your favorite sports, use my personal promo code CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com slash NHL Bruins to get 50% cash back on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com slash NHL Bruins. Again, that's betonline.ag. All right, I didn't think that Subin discussion would go as long as it did. I almost didn't even bring it up because I was like, oh, we're, you know, tight for time. But that was fun. I, I, I like debating stuff like that, you know. You know, it's the summer. Sure. There's not a heck of a ton going on. So, you know, with the Bruins at least. So why not? Um, so what are, in your opinion, what are the biggest Bruins offseason needs they need to address? Uh, right wing. That's top of my list. Um, hopefully a guy with some size and some skill. I mean, everybody talks about, you know, top four defense. And I understand that. I actually kind of like the Bruins' top four defense. Uh, you know, I I don't think that they're as bereft of talent as others. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Kevin Miller. I have no idea. I feel so bad for that guy and the things he's you know, had to go through over the last couple of years, and especially this year. I mean, when you when you break your kneecap twice in the same year, I just don't know where to go with that. I, I'm such a a big Kevin Miller fan. I love. I think he would have made a huge difference in the St. Louis series. A hundred percent. Huge. Hundred percent. And I think so. You you bring yeah, up the ahead. top defenseman. I don't think that's a need. I don't. I know we just did the Subban thing. That was sort of for fun. And I don't think that. Their top four is fine. I think the one question mark is, you know, is the Dano Chara sort of sticking around for another year? And I think Chara is super effective. I'm a huge pro Chara guy, but is he sticking around a year? Is that affecting the growth of putting a guy like Vakaninen in the top six? That's my only question with the top four. Other than that, the top four is fine to me. You'd have to convince me that Vakaninen can handle top four minutes, and I'm not willing to go there with you yet. Uh, you know, the little bit that I've seen of him, he certainly has some offensive skills. Uh, I have no issues with, you know, his game in general. But you're going to tell me that, you know, you're going to cut back Zidane Char's minutes so that you can get Warhol Bakanine and more time on the ice? i got a hard time with that right now, based on what I've seen so far. Um, you know, I, I think in a best-case scenario, probably Char is here for one more year. And if that delays Vakaninen's, you know, development and skill production, I'm probably willing to, to live with that. I remember thinking this at the end of Ray Bork's time here, and fans were kind of, oh, he's been here so long, what does he bring, you know, the yada, yada, yada. And I said, wait till he's not here. Wait till you see how those minutes are being filled when Bork's not filling them. And I feel the exact same way about Zidane Ochara. For those who – and I argue with, you know, Jermaine Wiggins and others about this, oh. and it, it, it goes back to the Please box score people. Jermaine Wiggins, whatever you do in this no, I'm not. I'm not. Don't. I'm saying for those, you know, those box score people. Well, you tell me who fills those PK minutes when Zidane Char is not literally playing the entire two-minute pow- uh, penalty kill. You tell me who's out there with Charlie McAvoy. Is is Zidane Chara what he used to be? Of course he's not. He's 42 years old, for God's sakes. But he's still valuable. 
And I talk to enough guys around the league. I'm sure you do as well, Evan. Ask them who they want to play against. Nobody wants to play against this guy. And, you know, if, if they had done what they should have done, if they had accomplished in Game 7 what they should have accomplished, their fault, what Zdeno Chara did would have been one of the mythical stories in the history of Boston sports. And because they didn't finish it off, he doesn't get that, but he deserves it. And, and what he did over those last three games with a shattered jaw and got better each of the three games he played after he shattered his jaw was beyond belief for me. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not ready to push Sedano Chara out of a position here. He is still a top four defenseman for me. He and McAvoy are still my top defense pair. No issues with that. If that delays the development of your Hovakanainen, and I'm willing to live with that. Well, I like the thing you bring up of, it, I think a year for Vakanayan after the injuries he's had this year would be very good for him, for him and his development to sort of do one more year at the AHL level. And I want him to be here, by the way. I want him to be with the big club next year. Yeah. And the other thing that I, I like that you brought up was what the, the, the heroism of Chara with playing through a, a shattered jaw. And I think if they won, that's put on the pedestal with the Kurt Schilling bloody ankle. I think it honestly might be higher. Um, and you know, if, if they had just won that, you know, and, and it's funny because Chara's goal, his whole career, he once said was to play a full game, like to play an entire 60 minute game. And I don't doubt he could, I think a hundred percent. He, if oh, anybody, he means it, he totally yeah, means it. If anybody in NHL, Dale, could play 60 full minutes, I would vote Zeno Chara 10 out of 10 times. And that's until he's like 65 years old. I really believe that. Um, but I think playing through a broken jaw and and eating on a liquid diet, I think, might be up with playing a full game. It, it's close. It might almost beat it. I I, I really do believe it, it. It might. I don't think people understand what he did. And I mean, guy, you ask the guys in the dressing room; they are in awe. Uh, I mean, they can't believe what he did. And, you know, you were around them. I was around them. They they literally can't even speak about what this guy did. And unfortunately, it wasn't him. It was the team that kind of screwed things up in Game 7. I'm telling you, it would have been one of the great stories in, in Boston sports history if they had pulled this thing off and he had won. And, oh, by the way, he, had, he also had surgery to remove, you know, loose fragments in his elbow, for God's sakes. Uh, what this guy has been, what he's meant to the team. Uh, if you're the third best defenseman in the history of the Boston Bruins, but one and two are Orr and Bork, that's pretty damned impressive to me. They're one and two in like the, in NHL, the NHL's history. You, you could make an argument for it. Um, again, I wasn't alive. Well, Orr is one. I mean, forget about yeah. Bork. Orr is one. I mean, it's not even a question. It's, you know, way out there. You could make an argument for Bork is two. If Char is third to those two, I'm okay with that. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. Uh, but real quick before uh, I let you go here, I want to get your take uh, on the right side of Krejci because obviously it's been a – I think this has been a storyline for like ye- years. Since, since probably Nathan Horton left, then you had Jerome Ginla. That was like a year. Then you had Rick Nash for like part of a year. I mean, what do they do to solidify that right side? Is it, you know, 
re-sign Johansson and promote him up? Is it Zuccarello? I mean, who who is on your radar for this? I, I will say that the uh, the Horton, uh, Krejci, Lucic combination was the blueprint you're trying to replicate, and I don't know if they can. Uh, you know, I, I I've seen you know talk about Wayne Simmons out there. I've heard Zuccarello, who you're talking about. I don't know who it is, uh, but before we even think about who's going to be the right side on that combo and it's going to solidify things, you got to think about the left side for a minute. You got to think about Jake DeBrusque, and you got to think about how you know he kind of disappeared there at the end. I don't know if there were physical things going on. There probably were. There is with everybody. Uh, David Krejci was not great. He was not good at all in the final. Uh, he was he was real good getting into the final, but you almost have to think about both wings. It's probably going to be DeBrusque, and I'm fine with that. He's got to step his game up. Who the right side is going to be, I don't know. You know whether that's you know maybe maybe you think about moving Coil up there. I don't think Johansson's going to be here. I just think that ultimately he has earned a contract that the Bruins can't afford, especially with, you know, what they've got to dole out to get McAvoy and Carlos signed and the possibility of whether they've got to, you know, get, I think ultimately they've got to make a decision in this off season. Can we afford Tory Krug? If his number is so far out of our range, we got to wheel him, but let's say we're going to try to get him signed. Well, I don't know what the hell you're going to do on the right side of Krejci's line. If you've got to sign those three defensemen first. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough, but you know, I mean, I think again, I think it, you know, Krug's a must re-sign. Um, I'm not out on Jake DeBrusque. I'm I'm not. I know he disappeared at the end there, but I think that that could be used as a learning experience in the future. Um, but I think he's on. I'm not writing him off. No, I'm not. No, writing I know. Him off. He's I, I know. He's talented. Uh, I, I'd like him to use his size to better advantage. Uh, you know, I think about that goal against the Maple Leafs two years ago where he just went right to the net and, and damn everybody, I, I'm going there, you take me down or I'm going to score. I didn't see enough of that this year. And I don't know how much – I still think the Nazem Kadri hit in the first round of the playoffs ultimately affected him throughout the rest of the, of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I know the Bruins have to be careful about what they say and how they handle it. Uh, I I still think he was affected by concussion symptoms after the Cadre hit. 100%. And I what worries me about his size is when he used it in Game 2 against the Leafs, it just seemed like it wore him down. Again, that was the Cadre game. He got cross-picked in the face. That'll, you know, that doesn't happen every game. It never happens. But still. Thank God. Um, yeah, I know. He... Boot him right out of the league. I, again, I say this every time the Bruins play the Leafs. There's no more hateable player in the NHL, unless I'm missing someone, because Matt Cook is gone now, than Nazem Kadri. I mean, just pure, like, he's just a – we could do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> on that alone, Nazem Kadri just being an absolute a-hole. And if he were here, could Bruins fans root for him? Uh, I, I mean – Maybe, maybe, but I can't think of a recent example of, like, a hateable person coming from another team. Because Marshan, people hate, but he's been here the whole time. I'm trying to think. I can't think of anybody who's come here from outside who was hateable before, and then people just like them. I, I, maybe you can. I yeah. can't think of 
certain example. Well, and I mean, Nylon came here from outside the organization, and Bruins fans still didn't like him. But, Dale, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything you want to plug before you go? Oh, hell no. I mean, if people want to buy my book, I'm all good with that. Uh, I was thinking that if the Bruins won the Stanley Cup, my book was going to get a nice boost. Uh, but if you if you are in the market, if these walls could talk Boston Bruins, buy it, read it, like it, love it, give us a five star review, all that stuff. It was a good book, it really was. Uh, very well. Thank done. you. I appreciate it. Awesome. It was fun. Uh, yeah, it seemed like a ton of fun. I, uh, it seemed like a ton of fun for you. And, and again, if anybody's going to write it, you're the guy. Um, is there is a second book in the works. Ooh, I'll just say that. Oh, ooh, I like this. Is, have you said that before on anything, or is this a first? No, no, I have not. I like this. I got This is my first scoop on the Bruins beat. Dale Arnold is in the in the works of writing a second book. You heard it here first. All right. Well, um, thank you so much, Dale, for coming on. Um, you know, everybody loves you. I love you. We love you. Um, but thank you so much. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at emarinovsky and Bruins CLNS at Bruins CLNS. For CLS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. Have a great week. 